The Cosmic Christ Center presents The Cosmic Bible With your host, Ascended Master, Theologian, and Bible Instructor, Mercy Heavens Touch the face of God Hear the Spirit in every word and commune with the cosmic knowledge of the Creator. This is Christ's Word. Theme music, Blue Skies by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Welcome to the Cosmic Bible. I'm Mercy Heavens, and this is Christ's Word. Jesus told me, Keep the mind in perfect peace, for only when the mind is at peace will it find the peace of God. Romans 8.6 For to set the mind in the flesh is death, but to set the mind in the spirit is life and peace. Romans 6.12 Do not let sin control you. Let peace reign in your mortal body. Do not let sin make you obey its passions. Men speak of their bodies as if they were the beginning and the end of all life, when this is not so. The mind is the beginning and the end to all life. For the mind is in existence before the body is created, and the mind is still in existence once the body perishes to dust. The body only came first in physical creation, for the body had to be conceived first through an egg and seed so that the spirit and the mind would have a place to reside on earth. Yea, the purpose of the body is so the spirit mind could record every life experience while bringing that experience back to God. In order to achieve this purpose, a physical body had to be created in order to hold the spirit mind while it lived in a gravity environment. But before that body could appear on earth, a web of life had to be created to supply the living environment that would sustain that journeyman and journeywoman's body. And so the earth came first, and then the web of life was woven around the earth, and from the web of life came the biosphere and all the ecological systems and all the life forms representing those systems. And feeding off those systems that would keep those life-sustaining systems alive. And once all of life had been created and God knew every experience through every creation, there was only one experience left, and that was the experience of a mind that could think independently. And for this experience, the bodies of men and women were created. First, the body of a woman was created to hold life inside her womb and keep it safe, and then the body of a man was created from that woman's womb, and both men and women were ordained to be magnificent shepherds to all of God's creations. 
I tell you this so you will know. The flesh body is a temporary thing. It is not eternal, for it cannot live past its own natural life cycle. Only the mind of the spirit lives past the body's natural life cycle. For the mind of the spirit is eternal, and this is the eternal life that God gives to all those who are faithful and keep with the fruits of the spirit. To be faithful, you must also keep all of God's commands from the beginning. Yea, all things lead back to the beginning, even your death, for in death you will still live through the information recorded in the eternal spirit mind. 1 John 10:27. Jesus states that, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish. This scripture refers to the mind inside the spirit. The information recorded inside the spirit mind will never perish, for the spirit mind lives forever. Remember when I tell you, the spirit mind and body are separate from one another, while the spirit and the mind are one. Just as the spirit enters the body after it leaves the womb of life, so does the spirit detach and break free of the body at the end of the body's life cycle. This process is no different than how the spirit detaches and breaks free from the pure energy of God. Just as a reptile sheds its scales, and a bird sheds its feathers, and an animal sheds its fur, so does God shed, discharge, and expel God's pure energy on a constant basis from God's own pure energy field. God is pure energy and so is the spirit pure energy. For the spirit is a branch of God. Yea, God is the universal tree of life. For God is the creator of all life. Every spirit that holds a mind is a branch extension of God. And every time a physical life is conceived on earth, God releases a spirit branch so it may prepare for its journey inside a physical creation. I tell you the truth when I say that once a creation reaches its full birth manifestation inside the womb and it is able to come into the world as a living being, each physical vessel will receive a spirit mind through the act of ensoulment. The ensoulment of a human and animal creation comes when that creation takes the first breath of life after being born. For the first breath of life is the first sign of activity in the brain. And the movement of the lungs taking an ear gives the body a pathway to receive the spirit. For creations that do not hold the physical breath of life, ensoulment happens at the moment of germination, which is the process of physical development. No matter what God creates, each life form is a physical representation of God, and therefore it is nothing more than a matter temple made to carry a branch of God's spirit that God releases into it. 1 Corinthians 3.16 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, so they deface God, but God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The spirit in its earliest form is much like an invisible string of a trillion minuscule microscopic lights, each reaching far into the stars while oscillating and pulsating still attached to the source that spawned it, the creator. These strings of light are actually waves of God's energy, the arms of God's tree. God calls these waves his branches, and they are so finely and delicately strung that they move very similar to the long, thin tentacles hanging down from a jellyfish when that fish is viewed beneath the water, waving back and forth and to and fro while spreading out across the great expanse of the Alpha Plains. Each branch eventually breaks free from the Creator's hold as it is released so it can drift to the manifestation belt that is continually opening and closing, while its suction from the cosmic vacuum gravity lock draws all things, including the spirit itself, closer and closer to the manifestation field. As the pulsating vacuum gravity lock generates a stronger and stronger gravitational pull, it creates a runway effect that leads the spirit to its physical host. The calling of energy on earth to the energy of God, the creator, generates this pathway for the spirit so it can take it and know which physical life shell is waiting to receive it. John 3, 6, Jesus said, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So this is the same with everyone born of the spirit. The spirit is an energy field filled with tiny synapses, unseen impulses, which enter the physical body through a process that God calls solvent energy ensoulment. This process allows the spirit to pass through the concentrated natural form of all creation, where it then adheres to the life form structure and connects with the structure's physical components and properties. Once the spirit mind determines the properties of each creation, it is fully able to communicate with that living organism so it can begin recording the life experience of the subject's personal perceptions and surroundings. The spirit's lower mind is a finely tuned energy bank located in the center of every living spirit, which makes it a secondary field of electromagnetic energy complete with a recording function that can pick up audio and visual vibrations and sound waves. If one could view the intricacies of the spirit mind, they would see a minuscule bank of flashing lights as simultaneous flashes of subatomic light particles 
could also be seen, giving off an extremely high velocity of energy waves, which literally can translate all impulses received into video and audio information. This video and audio information comes in the form of electrons that can convert all information into coded data that will be stored in the memory recorder for later use. Every time the creator source ejects a spirit mind, a new mind forms through a regenerative process. So the creator is constantly renewing, receiving, and reviewing more and more spirit branches every day. As more new spirit branches break off to begin their life cycle on earth, and old spirit branches return to release their information, God's information bank becomes full. Do not think because a spirit returns to the Creator Source that the mind will be recycled and sent back down to earth because this isn't true. Many times when a spirit mind returns to the Creator Source, that spirit mind is so complete and full of recorded information that the mind itself has now developed a mind of its own. Having a spirit bank full of knowledge allows the spirit to think and replay its memories so it lives on apart from the creator source. Unlike a new spirit, which is an empty void without information and very similar to an empty disk, the full mind is the essence of the person that departed from the earth. And this is how a man survives death and lives an eternal life. The recycling of spirit energy only takes place if the full spirit mind wishes to return to a physical existence or if the full spirit mind accidentally gets caught up in the cosmic gravity vacuum field. Remember, the bumping of a spirit back down to earth is commonplace in the spirit realm. For although the receiving of a new spirit inside a new creation vessel is ordained, the releasing of a spirit from a man has no intervention or sanctioned road path. The fully formed spirit of a man holds the recorded intentions of that man and those intentions will lead that spirit to its destiny once it separates from the man. The intention inside the spirit is the only road the spirit has to travel. There will be no other, and as all spirit minds will be outside of this road, there will be no outside interference. Once a man's physical body dies, the spirit of that man will either ascend back to the creator source, or it will join with the plane that is equal to the information that it holds. The information and intention in that spirit will be the master of that spirit's fate. Genesis 6.3 Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. The spirit of God leaves the body once the flesh is no more. But this does not mean that the spirit will still be intact the way the body originally received it. 
For if the recordings in the mind do not maintain the purity of the spirit, they corrupt the spirit, and God's purity is lost, and the mind of the spirit is now rogue, and its only destination will be on a plane with other rogue minds. When a mind is rogue, it has no self-control. When a mind is rogue, it will not see God again until it abandons rogue thinking and returns to perfection. 2 Timothy 1.7 God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Proverbs 25.28 A man without self-control is like a city broken and left without walls. When a man loses his self-control, so a man also loses his spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.11 Who knows a person's thoughts except for the spirit of that person which is in him? Because the spirit knows what all men are thinking, and because the spirit records what all men do, the path that the spirit takes upon death is the path of the recorded information that the spirit received. This is why no path can be ordained. Gatlin's 5.16 Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Only when you gratify the Spirit through the fruits of the Spirit is your spirit ordained to return to God. Romans 7.15 For what I am doing I do not understand. For sin dwells in me. The willing is present in me, for the willing is the Spirit, but the doing of the good is not. Because I cater to my flesh needs, I practice the very evil that I ought not to. The principle that evil is present inside my flesh is true, for the one who wants to do good is my spirit, not my flesh. For my spirit joyfully concurs with the laws of God in my inner man, but I see a different law in my members of my body, waging war against the law of my spirit mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my body members. A wretched man I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? On the one hand, my spirit mind serves and obeys the laws of God, but on the other, my flesh serves and obeys the laws of man, which are sin. Romans 8.26 The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for the Spirit intercedes for us with groaning that is too deep for words. And the man who knows what is in the mind of the spirit knows all that is wrong so that our flesh does not obey sin's calling. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Men of flesh do not accept the things of the spirit for the things of the spirit are folly to man and therefore man is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned and not man sent james 2:26 the flesh body without the spirit is dead so the spirit without the fruits 
is also dead. The fruits of the Spirit are man's deeds of love, mercy, kindness, self-control, and forbearance. What good is it if someone claims to have faith in the Spirit, but they have no deeds? Can such faith save them? The answer is no. Suppose an animal of a man is without shelter and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So the spirit is dead if all it receives is acts of violence, corruption, death, and inequity. How can a spirit rise to God if God is absent from man's deeds? A person's spirit is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Concerning the rejection of a spirit once it returns to the creator source, God rejects no one. However, energy flows in the direction of like energy waves. So if energy meets with an opposite polarity wave, the bumping process will begin again. For only like energy waves can cluster. When the polarity of the creator's wave does not meet with the polarity of a spirit, the spirit cannot reach the creator's source. This is why I tell you to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy, for a corrupt energy wave cannot return to God. What you do in life affects your energy direction in death, for your recordings will dictate your polarity, and if your polarity is filled with the suffering and death that you caused others, whether these others are human, animal, the planet, or any natural creation, destruction is destruction. And this means you will make your spirit energy impure and corrupt. So the gravity of your deeds will weigh you down so you do not ascend into heaven. Galatians 6, 7. Whatever one sows, they will also reap. For the one who clings to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who clings to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Remember, just as you would not assail and attack a dead man for information concerning what they knew in life, for that man can no longer speak, you should also not assail the Spirit with acts of violence, death, corruption, and inequity. For the Spirit records every single experience in life, including the emotions of both assailant and victim. All guilt, anger, shame, madness, insanity, remorse, pain, suffering, terror, torment, distress, and anxiety is recorded in the spirit's mind and therefore these things will 
play back as memories once your mind lives on after your physical death. This means all shouts, all screams, all whimpers, all cries of agony, all despair, all hopelessness, all worry, all anger will also be recalled and brought to your attention. The violence, death, corruption, and inequity that you sow in life will be your eternal resting place in death, and therefore you will have no rest at all. It is time to repair the damage you have caused. Renew your minds and end your promotion and contributions to suffering, violence, and death. Matthew twenty-five forty-five, And Christ said, Truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of God's creations, you do for me. And whatever you did not do for one of the least of God's creations, you did not do for me. Therefore, you will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. Those who follow the fruits of the Spirit do what is right, and so they also do what God asks of them. There is no least among God's creations, for God does not show favoritism. If God does not show favoritism, then true followers of God also do not show favoritism. The ones who choose equality among all creation are the righteous ones, for they do not obey the violence, death, corruption, and inequity of the flesh. They instead obey their spirit mind, so they will be granted eternal life. The eternal punishment that men will face after death is the eternal punishment of their own mind. This punishment is not God sent. This punishment is man sent, for it is the memories of man's earthly deeds and their acts of violence, death, corruption, suffering, and inequity that will haunt them with a relentless absence of peace. Whenever a man harms, kills, or creates states of pain, distress, terror, death, and suffering for any non-human life forms, so they do these things to the least of God's creations, not because God's non-human creations are insignificant to God, but because man has made God's non-human creations small in number, while man has made themselves in great numbers through enormous excess and overcrowding. The number of men on earth are now undesirable and threatening the web of life, especially all non-human creations. The least of God's brethren are also those who are poor, old, sick, disabled, despaired, hopeless, weak, vulnerable, homeless, dislocated, desolate, hungry, hopeless, mistreated, abused, bullied, rejected, excluded, 
forgotten and treated unfairly and unjustly. They are also the ones who are persecuted and without protection and defense. This also includes all creations that suffer these fates, not just humankind, but every life form on the entire earth. Although men like to place their worth above all other creations, God does not favor men, nor does God see men as a higher, more deserving species. To God, a man's worth is in their ability to be shepherds and servants to God's most vulnerable creations. For this is what will lead them to eternal life after their passing. When a man thinks of eternal life, they relate this to how many times they have confessed their sins and how many times they were forgiven. For they were told by other men that God is faithful and just to men. And therefore, God will cleanse men from all unrighteousness while forgiving men for their wickedness, violence, corruptions, inequities, and evil. But I tell you this, men are wrong. For the Father and I never said those things. Those are the words of men. They are not the words of God, and they are not my words. Confess your sins all you like. But do not look for the Father and I to forgive you. Forgive yourselves. For the Father and I wash our hands of man's sins. We do not take your sins upon us. No excuse or justification will cover up your offenses. For they are yours and yours alone. And the Father and I do not grant you redemption nor do we grant any redemption to any sinner that harms and kills God's creations. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person have great power as they work. The righteous do not sin, so the righteous do not need forgiveness or redemption. Be righteous and correct your fellow humans when they commit violence, corruption, inequities, and any error that involves evil, death, and sin. Do not look to the Father and I to excuse you from your transgressions, for we will not. Luke 17.3 Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. But first, he must repent and never sin again. Men that look to the Father and I for forgiveness and redemption know they have sinned. So why did they sin in the first place? A man that knows their actions are sins, yet they still sin, is a man that has no self-control, forbearance, or self-discipline. Rather than ask the Father and I for forgiveness, clean up your actions and practice self-restraint, and then you will never have to ask for forgiveness and redemption again. Romans 3.23 For all who sin 
fall short of the glory of God. Do not fall short of the glory of God. Men do this often, especially when they use the Father in my name to tell other men false things. God and I never said the things that men have been telling you. Man's violence, corruption, inequities, errors, and sins are their own. I did not die upon the cross to provide a way for men to receive forgiveness from their sins. And you should not believe the men who tell you this foolish thing. Listen to Isaiah 53.5. These are the lies that men have fed you all these years. But they are not the truth of my words. In Isaiah 53.5, men are told Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with the stripes from the whip that did beat the Lord, men were healed. Yea, I was executed because of man's transgressions. I was not executed for man's transgressions. For my murderers were men, and my murder should have been against the law. Yea, I was crushed by, not for, man's inequities. For the men who executed me treated me unfairly, while no man in the crowd was brave or righteous enough to stop this inequity. Yea, no man came to my aid, and so this is the compelling truth of my death. Men are gullible when they believe the lies of other men. No man was healed by my execution. How can a man be healed by anyone's execution? And God did not ordain my execution to take place. When any man finds peace in another man's death, torment, and suffering, these men are worse than sinners, for they are all from the pit. And if any man finds peace in any other life form's death, torment, and suffering, these men are devils and demons. They are filled with the darkness of the bowels of Hades. They are unworthy of your emulation, and they are also unworthy of their own self-appointed superior titles. No matter what man says, I did not die for their sins. Man's sins belong to men and men alone. They are not mine, and I want no part of them. Why would I, a righteous man, laden myself, or laden heaven, with man's violence, corruptions, crimes, inequities, errors, and sin? Do you think me a madman? I am not a madman. Of course I did not die for man's sins. There is no mercy for those who do not show mercy. There is no peace for those who do not show peace. There is no forgiveness or redemption for those who do not forgive and redeem themselves. And there is no eternal life for those who corrupt and forsake the higher mind of the spirit. Do you remember Ecclesiastes 7.20? Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. I say, why does man sin? 
if men truly want to be superior beings, then each man must force themselves to not sin. And in doing this, they must also teach their children to do the same. Do not sin. John 3.16 tells all men, Whoever believes in Christ will not perish, but they will have eternal life. To believe in me is to follow God's commands from the beginning and to understand the truth of God from the lies of men. God does not delight in steadfast love unless that love is a selfless love full of mercy and self-control. When a man harms, kills, and causes suffering and pain for others, this is not a steadfast love, nor is it love at all. No man that harms, kills, and causes suffering and pain for others is a loving man, and therefore they do not love, not even God. It was said that men were brought forth in inequity and in sin when their mothers conceived them, for inequity and sin was in the world since the beginning of man, and this is true. Men say God overlook man's sins, because God understands that sinning is in man's nature. But this is a lie. God never overlooked man's ignorance and sins. It is men that overlook man's ignorance and sins, so man can continue sinning in God's name. God does not want man to sin. God wants all men to be righteous and worthy of their eternal life. Romans 12:17. Give thought to what you do. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. God knows that men act perversely and wickedly. God is no fool. It is only because other men have convinced men that they are redeemed and forgiven by God for their sins that men lap up these lies, and therefore they take advantage of God's mercy, and so they sin and sin again. Colossians 3.12 Be God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Act with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and do not do things that require forgiveness and redemption. Sin is absent of love. Love does not cover up offenses. This is another lie that men have told you. Men say if you love, then sin and inequity are atoned. But this is not true. The truth of this statement is, love does no wrong. If you love, you do not engage in sin and inequity. Nothing will ever cover up your offenses. So do not do things that make you offensive and correct those who offend. James 5.20 Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will saves the sinner's soul from death, but only if the sinner can redeem itself and never sin again. When one is saved from death, this means they have an opportunity to receive eternal life through their repentance. When thinking of eternal life and how you can assure your mind remains on a godly path, remember Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money, and you cannot serve man's lives if you serve God. 
The lies of men will not grant you a place in heaven, nor will they grant you forgiveness, redemption, eternal life, or the obtainment of miracles and blessings. And if you think they will, you are sadly misinformed and mistaken. For the lies of men are destroying the world, and therefore they are destroying any and all chances of obtaining a quality life in heaven or on earth. Redeem yourselves through the reinvention of your perception and your understanding, and see men for the false prophets that they are. Reva recalls the teaching she learned from Jesus Christ on the eternal life of the mind. Life can only succeed if it succeeds in peaceful harmony with all other life. Utilizing the information of the sentient experience to simulate peaceful and harmonious societies, mental life continues to propagate other minds through raising lower minds to higher minds, thus increasing the number of minds in their superior peaceful harmonious societies that serve one goal the pursuit of peaceful, harmonious excellence in superior intelligence. In order for the mind to feel life, there must be mental empowerment. A mind lives according to its thoughts. Its level of awareness and its health are solely based on these thoughts. Jesus told me, when all are connected, they live in a stream of thoughts, and all in the stream are fed. When you open your alpha mind and make the choice to ascend to the astral planes, you join with the alpha stream, and your rising is not just for you. It is for all of us. It is for all minds in the stream, for all feed from the success of your rising. Therefore, your success is to the advantage of the entire Alpha Stream. The true success of life is measured by the quality of the mind. But if the mind is not fed quality thoughts and quality impressions, it sleeps. Does this suggest a poor quality life or a poor quality mind? I believe it suggests inferior mental architecture. It is my experience that the gravitational conditions of the earth create a precarious dynamic that works to destroy the mind by darkening the closed, unaware mind as much as it may also work toward raising the mind, for the mind that is open recognizes the darkness and will rise in order to escape and join with the light. Unless you take the flesh journey in full awareness, recording it and analyzing it, you cannot see both the detriment and the advantage. The darkness is deeper and longer lasting, and the light is fleeting both in experience and longevity while the pilot is on earth. Advancement can be a mere blip on a landscape of misery and suffering. In contrast, dullness and unawareness create blithe ignorance and in this state which is very much like a stupor of mental numbness 
The mind is completely unaffected by anything going on in the life experience, so it doesn't understand joy, bliss, enlightenment, or suffering and misery. The flatness of existence is all it knows. As the unaware mind is not open, so it is not alpha or omega. It is another form of rogue that is separate and apart from the creator. Unlike the mind that chooses to be rogue through choosing darkness, the unaware mind is usually in the state it is in because of its parents that were also unaware. As they were unaware, so they had no awareness to pass on to their offspring. This unawareness comes as a product of genetic inheritance. When a man or woman dies on earth and they are released from their mortal shell, if they are not attached to anything on earth, if they hold no leanings, cravings, or clinging to any living persons or material objects or emotional goals, they will cross over to the cosmic planes of consciousness and their destiny will be equal to their level of the mental evolution they achieved on earth. From their position in the cosmic universe, if their minds were open to Alpha, their memories will carry the sentient life of their flesh experience, and they will be able to communicate with loved ones merely by thinking of that loved one. And by the same token, that loved one, still living a flesh existence on earth, will be able to communicate with its deceased relative merely by thinking of them. This metaphysical occurrence is a part of the all-is-one law of the cosmos. All minds are a part of one universe of consciousness. In the metaverse, all celestial bodies are separate. On Earth, all the continents are separate. They are separated by waterways, and even the bodies of the land have been divided by man, so each territory has its own name. And if a flesh man or woman wants to communicate to another flesh man or woman, they need to utilize any of man's telecommunications devices to do so, or else they have to commit to a physical journey to meet with that person they wish to speak to. But telepathy only occurs in the higher sentient mind. It does not occur on earth. Telepathy is a gift of the cosmic sentient universe. And as the higher mind is a cosmic sentient instrument, so all communication that occurs within the higher mind is also cosmic and sentient. The lower mind does not perceive telepathic correspondences. The lower mind only receives the senses, feelings, and emotions of the flesh body. The lower mind can hear sounds that come from the physical plane. The lower mind can taste food and liquids. It can feel the warmth of the sun, the coldness of winter, the wetness of rain, and so on, all due to its flesh senses. But communication between two minds on earth is not coming from a physical channel, but from a cosmic sentient channel located in the higher mind. And when a flesh mortal on earth receives cosmic communication from a spirit in the cosmic planes, this communication is also carried on a cosmic sentient channel. And when the mortal replies back to that spirit, that mortal replies over a cosmic sentient channel. A mortal man or woman with the gift of telepathy 
may correspond with another mortal who holds the gift of telepathy and their correspondence will be entirely cosmic. It will not require the use of any of man's telecommunications devices, nor will it require physical travel to meet each other in order to hold a conversation. Telepathy can occur anywhere at any time over vast distances of time and space. When Jesus Christ speaks, he can send a message on a channel so all telepathic receivers hear him around the world. Or he can send a message over a narrow channel that connects only to one receiver, and only that one receiver will hear him. I do not have to leave the earth to speak to him, and he does not have to leave the cosmos to speak to me. We hear each other because our telepathic channels are open to one another. We know we are mental beings. We are not physical beings, and we devote our time to evolving our minds in order to develop ourselves as mental beings. Even after 2,000 years in the cosmic planes, Christ is still evolving. Christ tells me, once you take the journey to become a mental being and you forsake the flesh being that you once were, you discover how superior mental life can be without the flesh. This is what eternal life is like. Mental life is not limited by flesh restrictions, boundaries, or barriers. An evolved mental life is free of all restrictions that a lower mind possesses through its limited awareness, limited cognition, its limited focus, limited attention span, limited understanding of concepts and ideas, and its limited comprehension of intellectual and emotional intelligence. An evolved mind refines its lower mind so the lower serves the higher journey. An evolved mind will not allow the ignorance of the lower mind to hold it back. An evolved mind will not let carnal thoughts or carnal leanings hold it back. All carnal thinking is refined and raised to spiritual, sentient, cosmic thinking that serves the intellect of the cosmos that is impervious to flesh thinking and flesh leanings. An evolved mind is free of all gravity waves, so an evolved mind is altruistic, holy, and divine, and this is a far superior state than the state the flesh mind lives in. Though the lower mind is not actually made of flesh, it is the depository for all the body's experiences on the earth. You, the pilot, begin your journey on earth in the lower mind, which is why if you become aware there is something higher, you look up to find it. But the sense of something higher being available to you is not a sense that points to what lies above you in the physical universe, but rather this sense tells you something higher waits for you, and it is located in the cosmic universe the universe to which you, as a higher mind and a higher mental being, belong. This universe is above the physical universe. This universe is the metaphysical universe that cannot be experienced with the naked flesh eye, nor can it be observed with any of man's instruments. This universe can only be experienced 
through the higher mind's cosmic awareness of the sentient field of the metaphysical planes of existence. I'll say this again. The cosmic universe can only be experienced through the sentient gifts that connect all of life in the cosmic web of life. And it is only the higher mind that senses these sentient gifts. The higher mind receives them, just as the higher mind receives telepathy. But it is the body that experiences the waves of sentience as the power of sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell, feelings, emotions, psychic ability, and empathy. When you do not feel these things, you are in your lower mind, and your lower mind is not open to or aware of your higher mind. When you are open to your higher mind and you receive a sense of something greater than you, calling you, and it seems that this greater presence is beyond you and above you, you are experiencing the unlimited potential of your alpha mind. The alpha mind waits to join with the cosmic universe and the cosmic creator. It calls you, the lower mind, to join with it and evolve so you may share in the joy of cosmic living. You come to earth to experience this calling so you may know what you are and where your destiny lies. And your entire physical journey is about serving the cosmic universe through refining the lower you so you evolve into the Omega you, for it is the Omega that shares in the higher Alpha potential and all of Alpha's gifts. When you do not share in the Alpha gifts, you are not Omega. If you are unaware of Alpha, you are not Omega. The Alpha holds the unlimited potential and the unlimited possibilities of the cosmic universe and the cosmic creator. It was meant that you would discover these things while you were on earth. But man chose to turn away from his alpha potential and in so doing, so he also turned away from his omega potential. As he is neither alpha nor omega, he is rogue. Revelations twenty-two thirteen, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is all there is. Anything outside of this is darkness. Man invented a world that serves darkness, and so it robs all spiritual men and women of their right to achieve their fullest omega potential on earth. And as men rob the omega of its potential, so they block the potential of alpha. Through limitation, deprivation, oppression, violence, and restriction, man has blocked what the Omega can become by blocking their access to affordable health and dental care, clean and safe affordable housing, access to clean water, clean air, and clean food, free of chemicals, dyes, artificial substances, and genetic enhancements. They have blocked access to spiritual education, and they have blocked the attainment of the right to be recognized and accepted as spiritual beings. 
Man persecutes all of living creation based on how each individual life serves his dumbness. So all of spirit life is ostracized and condemned due to its flesh appearance. If it does not suit man's criteria for the right physical appearance, the right physical size and shape, the right physical condition, the ease of susceptibility to man's programming, the right color, the right species, the right race, the right gender, the right age, the right economic class, the right religion, the right sexual preference, and if it does not bend to the will of men or serve man's will, then that life is marginalized and suffocated and made to exist on earth in a living death, whether that spirit lives in the body of a human, an animal, a plant, a tree, or any of the spiritual kingdoms of the earth. Even the planet itself is under threat from man. All of life is treated as a disposable commodity under man's dark, dull, ruthless jurisdiction because he is at war with his creator and all the gifts of the cosmos that he turned away from. As long as man denies you the right to experience your highest physical potential, so man denies you the right to experience your spiritual potential on earth. And as man denies the spirit, so he denies God. And as he denies God, so he proves he is not a part of God. He proves his allegiance is to God's opposite, and the only opposite to God's light is darkness. And the only force that rules darkness is the dark force that has been called the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, Asmodeus, Lucifer, and many other names that all mean the same thing and that all point to the same physical incarnation on earth. And that physical incarnation on earth is the incarnation of man that dominates through oppression, limitation, deprivation, and violence. Yea, despite man's oppression on earth, the mind lives on in the cosmos, but it must now evolve out of all the afflictions that man caused it on earth, which is why I have returned to expose man and the afflictions he thrusts upon you, so you will understand what is happening and who is responsible for it. Those who live in emptiness will be unaffected by my words. They are empty and unaware that anything is wrong. But those who hold the cosmic seeds know I speak the truth, and it is for your sake that I return. It is for your sake that I speak. It is for your sake that I tell you I am here. I have not died. I still watch the earth, and I am still opposed to man as I was when I lived in flesh. He has not won, and he will not win, for I will not let him win. As my emissaries fall away, so I will find new emissaries. Through my emissaries, I will have a place on earth, and I will be heard, and man will be exposed for the liar, the deceiver, and the cheat that he is, and the sins that he causes. Through my sheer will alone, I will outlive man. I will live in the cosmos, and I will outlive his presence on earth, and he will never set foot on the earth again, for my will is an eternal will, and my mind 
is an eternal mind. Coming out of the cosmic stream, Jesus calls out the darkness in order to have his voice send waves into the atmosphere of the lower world. As the vocal waves of Christ carry the holy intentions, so these waves travel beyond the location where they are spoken. They travel beyond the location where they are delivered, and they travel beyond the location of where they are podcast. Through the waves of the messenger, Christ is delivered, and as Christ's word is in the wave, and as Christ's breath is in the word, so Christ lives in the wave of his message. You hear it when you listen to this podcast, and whether you turn away or not, Christ is with you, and he sees you and everyone you know through your recordings of these people, and he follows the waves you recorded of these people, and he also goes into these people. This is how powerful the wave of Christ is, and he does this purely to raise the waves of men and women. It is a phenomenal gift of the Spirit and Christ, and I hope you get to experience it and know it as the enlightenment of Jesus Christ. In our next Cosmic Bible, we will be discussing the discerning wisdom that illuminates a true messenger of Jesus Christ from a man who tells his own truth while claiming he speaks for Christ. And then, Mercy will be reviewing the story of Jesus and the fish in order to answer the age-old question, Did Christ really eat meat and fish? I'm Reva Christ. May the word of Christ be with you.